What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Triathlon Mockery Podcast. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about strength training, as this is one of the Triathlon Mockery College episodes. Um, I've got Kate. Kate has done a uh, PhD in uh, strength training for triathletes, uh, and I probably know just as much about you uh, if you're listening about strength training. I do it. I go to the gym to get a, be a little bit more ripped physique. I think it's, it's helped me with swimming, but. Uh, yeah, to dive deep into it, I've uh, got an expert on the show, Kate, <laughs> right down from Australia. It's been a struggle to get each other on, but uh, yeah, we'll be seeing each other in a couple uh, couple months. Yes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I have a background as an endurance athlete. I've always, traditionally we started off, I love running, um, but I've always loved going to the gym as well. And that really um, sparked my career. I did a double degree in physio and sports science and worked in the private practice world of physio for a while and just became a little bit frustrated at the sort of patient in, patient out kind of side of things. I didn't really like that too much. Um, so I went back to uni, enrolled in my research research which grew bigger and bigger over time and yeah like you said I completed my PhD I looked at the effects of strength training on performance in long distance triathletes and from that grew our business here in Perth called Endurance Movement where we prescribe strength training for endurance athletes so swimmers cyclists and runners and triathletes um, and that's pretty much my bread and butter and what I do um, we coach athletes we love working strength training injury prevention combining that strength training and physio together so that's pretty much my my last career and and my job in a nutshell how did you um, conduct the study at the time about strength training yeah, so it was a big study. So it was a big intervention study. So it went over the duration of 26 weeks. So we recruited 30 long-distance triathletes. They were here in Perth and we randomised them into we had one control group and another group who did their normal endurance training plus two strength training sessions a week and the control group just did their endurance training. Um, we couldn't match their training because they were individuals um from across different clubs but in our end results when we ended up comparing the intensity and duration of their endurance training they did actually match up um so mm -hmm. we created a simulated triathlon where all triathletes did a swim bike and run where we measured swim performance running economy and cycling economy over that simulated triathlon we did that um before the strength training intervention midway through and at the end um and then we compared the differences in the improvements in the economy um between groups and from pre to post in their own groups as well um and we found that the strength training group significantly improved their cycling and their running economy while the group that just did the control um, training so that was just endurance training did not um, and these were big improvements the cycling economy improved so what what did mainly uh, uh, improve for them is it like the technique or is it is it like literally just getting more efficient running yeah we we mainly well we measured maximal strength um, and skin folds um, muscle uh, like girth as well and um, but it was mainly the economy that we measured and the actual mechanisms of how that improved it's still even generally a little bit more hypothesized in the research but generally it's assumed that 
that this is from improvements in maximal strength, improvements in muscular tenderness, stiffness. So you can think of that as that when you run and you hit the ground and your body has that elastic energy to propel you then forwards. So we we're um, hypothesized that they significantly improve that from the loads that we gave them. Um, but it's mainly that those factors that contribute then to those improvements in economy. So how um, much oxygen the athletes consumed and energy they consumed at their particular paces and power. And what was the um, the test that they had to do that, to, in that, order to make it, for example, for uh, suitable for, for example, long distance athletes? Yeah, so we put them through a 1500 meter swim and then they did um, a 60 minute ride and a 20 minute run. Um, and we did that. So we ended up doing like 180 of these tests in total. So that was... Oh, right. Yeah, so not, not on one participant, just in total across them all. Um, so it was it was huge. Like it was the first of its kind in terms of doing the swim, bike, run um, because a lot of the time when we look at strength training improvements, we propose that what it actually does is it... Um, it improvements in maximal strength means that those type 1 muscle fibers so the slow twitch muscle fibers are more efficient ones as endurance athletes it means that we can actually improve their ability to tolerate fatigue which means that we then don't recruit the type 2 muscle fibers the less efficient ones until later so when you're actually testing athletes and you want to see if strength training or any form of intervention makes an improvement to their economy mm-hmm. you have to do that in a prolonged test you can't just do a 20 minute run and expect to see improvements because you actually need to create the changes so you need to fatigue them so those type 1 muscle fibers start to fatigue you want to fatigue athletes enough so you know like in the back end of an Ironman no one looks pretty running (laughs) Um, so you want to actually create those biomechanical changes so that's why we did it over like a prolonged testing period I, I must say, um, I've, I just I love going to the gym anyway. Apart <laughs> if it's good for triathletes or not, uh, getting the testosterone up. But um, I must say, for me, it definitely helped with my uh, with my swim with the push phase. Because what I've seen with many triathletes is they uh, pull their hand out the, out of the water too quick, whereas mm-hmm. so they don't really have a push phase. Whereas mm-hmm. the push phase mainly gets you uh, in the most, most amount of speed. Mm-hmm. And I think that definitely uh, gave me the most uh, most improvements. So in this episode, we'll uh, we'll talk about why triathletes should be doing strength training. I think in the future, we've got a couple of more uh, subjects we want to talk about. For example, periodization, mm-hmm. um, I would say uh, weights. Uh, we, we have written some t- sub- topics down, so we'll dive into it uh, on everything. Um, but yeah, let's. so the basics, why... Would a triathlete that is probably time starved, um, why should he go to the gym? So you can get improvements from obviously your swimming, cycling and running, from swimming, cycling and running. But if you're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, taking your performance to the next level or if you've been doing triathlon or any of the endurance sports for a while, you're eventually going to hit your ceiling and you're going to stop mm-hmm. adapting as much to that particular stimulus that you put in. So your strength training improves generally what we call like that muscular power. So we talk about, um, you know, the body's ability to produce force and produce power after a prolonged time. And that's what really helps your strength training helps you improve your 
performance. So if you are already, um, you know, doing all the swim, bike, run, you're going, I, I really, really want something to help me up to that next level, that's where your strength training comes in. So you can improve your economy. But it's not only, uh, and your performance, but it's not only that, it's keeping you robust and injury-free. So there are studies that look at injuries in triathletes and it's there was one study that looked at a 16-week period before an Ironman and 86% of triathletes reported a form of substantial injury in like that 16 weeks mm-hmm. or four months and lead up to a race. And by doing strength training, you can build up your tissues, so your muscles, your tendons, your bones, build up their ability to tolerate load. So if you go, oh, look, I'm, I'm loving triathlon, I want to take this to the next level, but my body just can't seem to hack all of the endurance training, that's where your strength training can come in, right, and help. Um, so you got mm-hmm. the performance stuff like you were chatting about, you know, like improving that pool and helping you feel more powerful. But then it's like you might feel really good pulling in the pool and you're going, yes, I've really got this powerful pool now, but then, oh, now my shoulder's niggly. So there's no point having that yeah. amazing, powerful pool if you can't no, hop in and swim. Kind so of the you, best pool in the world. but <laughs> Yeah, but if you can't get in and actually do your swim, there's no point, right? So there's like a, a multitude of reasons, but your main thing is those performance benefits and helping you train consistently by being injury-free. Does it does it then matter? Um, strength training, for example, for a sprint distance athlete or Ironman athlete, yeah. should they all be doing it? Everyone, all of everyone, yes, should still be doing it. Absolutely, it does. You might want to change a little bit of the emphasis um, on some particular exercises, but absolutely, everyone should be should be doing it, hundred percent. And is is it also different from athletes that already? train for example a lot of hours their time starved um they wouldn't have for example a lot of times would you say all right ride your bike an hour less and do some strength training or uh, would you say an hour a week is not going to cut it um because in the end uh, for many people it's just uh, they don't have a lot of time yeah Uh, it's another Thing they'd have to do yeah well our, my first study of my phd actually looked at the barriers to strength training and time surprise yeah. was the number one barrier and you look at how much yeah, yeah, athletes yeah. train like often it's the age group is more than the pros right so that's not surprising <laughs> at all <laughs> but i would say if you're looking to take your performance to the next level or if you just get chronically injured give up a little bit of your endurance training to strength train yes like you will still see performance improvements um definitely And generally, once a week, you can maintain strength benefits. But if you're looking to improve, you need to do it twice a week. But they don't have to be full on sessions. Like you could go to the gym twice a week for 30 to 40 minutes. And you can still if you have a good program, you can still see some good improvements. Mm -hmm. But definitely. And what I give up a bit of the endurance. um, (laughs) A life hack for for me is, uh, I I don't know if many people have got the luxury, uh, but um, I've got a gym right now that's literally next to the pool where I'm swimming. So I, I would, yeah. if you're really time starved, yeah. I would combine the session. So go to the gym after the pool and uh, um, work yeah. on that strength training a little that, bit. That's that's how you can hack it. But if you need to go for, on separate times. That is my hack. I yeah. tell people that all the time. Whenever I ask, I'm like, do you have pool membership? Yeah. Okay. Is there a gym next to your pool? Yeah. I can guarantee you most people say yes. I'm like, yeah. and even chop off the back of your swim, right? Or like something. And mm-hmm. if you think about, unless you're a horrendous swimmer and you've got so much room to improve, the extra time that you would spend with that extra little bit of swim, you're going to get bigger performance benefits if you hit the gym instead. <laughs> 
and or or go to the gym and then do an easy recovery run afterwards yeah. to loosen up the legs. Yeah, absolutely. So or or gym and an easy takeover of the arms in the pool. In um, so if uh, if if doing strength training, you'd you'd say basically twice a week. Because I also hear many triathletes saying, if I would go to the gym too often. I would become an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and that would be detrimental to my performance because muscle is weight, yeah. weight is slow with running. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I, if I put on 15 kgs of, of muscle, I will become a slow athlete. What, yeah. what do you have to get to say? I reckon this is my biggest barrier that I face so often, not only with athletes, but with coaches. And um, I've mm-hmm. had one of my um, research publications put on this, sports science page where they turn research into infographics and I remember this one coach just going absolutely ham on there commenting like no no triathletes should do strength training because they're just going to bulk up and it's going to make them slower so first of all research shows that that's not the case when you're an endurance athlete and you're training big loads your body actually has hormones and particular cellular signals that actually get in the way of being able to hypertrophy so bulk up so like even if you went and Mm -hmm. hit the gym and we're crunching all your weights you're unfortunately not going to look like Arnie Schwarzenegger unless you eat extravagant amounts and stop all the endurance training but also a big part of muscle hypertrophy comes from getting the sets and the reps right so if you were doing Mm -hmm. proper heavy loads like lower um, rep ranges with heavier weights it'll make you less sore believe it or not but also they're they're not hypertrophy they're not bulking ranges so you can pick your exercises Mm -hmm. right but also even in the research studies and in ours as well what we actually found was there was um no difference in body mass but some studies have shown an increase in lean muscle and that's exactly what you want as an athlete because there was an increase in lean muscle but no change in muscle mass what that meant was uh, sorry in body mass what that meant was that the athletes were actually the same weight but their body composition had clearly improved it was like their fat had actually been replaced with that muscle and that's what you want Mm -hmm. right like that's where your glycogen is stored you want that (laughs) it's a good thing since uh, like I've, I, after uh, after September, I, I've literally went down from twenty five to thirty hours a week training to literally um, I would say the top weeks were ten hours of training and the other week something like six to five hours after like hardly anything. But mm-hmm. I did go to the gym every week, twice a week. Well done. Um, I was still eating. Uh, <laughs> I just I just love going there. But I must say I'm I'm not bulky, but I also didn't really become fat in the time. I must say I'm still almost as lean as what it was in uh, September. Yeah, that's it. It helps maintain that body composition. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to start off because obviously you'll 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 find yourself you're doing something new. It's a new uh, stimulus to the body. So yes, you will find yourself being a little bit sore. Um, but then once you get into it for a couple of weeks, like I've been doing it now since September, and uh, well, last year I wasn't doing it, but just uh, I wanted to get back into it. And then uh, if you just do it every week, um, yeah, I found it definitely uh, made a difference for me. But then the question for many is, do I go with the free weights, like free solo, mm-hmm. or with the machines? Yeah, I think that really depends on where you're at as level of an athlete. So if, if – because – We'll chat a little bit more about like the the loads and stuff. Um, yeah. But if you want to see proper performance improvements, you do have to lift a relatively heavy weight. And some athletes 
who don't have a gym background might hop under a barbell and go and do a squat and just go, well, this is an overwhelming feeling with this like heavy barbell on my back, or they might not want to say Mm -hmm. lift a heavy weight. So if that's the case, I would say hop on a machine like a leg press um, and then go heavier on that, like build your way up, but you can go heavier on that because you feel more confident and you can get in the appropriate load. But the benefit of going the free weight side of things, so like a barbell um, movement, like a squat or a daddy, is that they're multi-joint compound movements. So what that means is you're getting in lots of muscle groups and working lots of joints. So example with a deadlift, you work your glutes, you work erector spinae down your back, you work lats, you work your hamstrings, you're working everything. But if you were to say compare a deadlift to an isolated leg extension or let's say a leg curl, you're just working hamstrings. So if you can, Mm -hmm go the more free weights, but if you're not feeling confident, still go machine-based because that's better than nothing. It's better than going, ah, free weights so is too overwhelming. <laughs> the, the, you'd say the machines is more of a static movement where you would literally just isolate uh, the main muscle, whereas um, the dynamic movements, you also trigger some of some of the smaller tendons and muscles that you uh, are very likely to use when running. And uh, this yeah. is also where, where the most amount of running injuries come from, right? So uh, a really common run injury is, for example, uh, the IT band, so mm-hmm. a runner's knee. Mm-hmm. Um, what you see is either, well, bad technique or uh, bad bad equipment, but the majority of it comes from weaker uh, glute muscles yeah. so the the butt yeah. or or uh, where where it compensates then uh, around the knee and there are like loads of exercises more dynamic ones where you trigger the smaller muscles yeah around that area in order to uh, yeah get the tension of the uh, the tendon yeah, exactly. And you can't really rehab your way out of ITB syndrome just with doing like an isolated leg extension because it's just mm-hmm. not going to be appropriate. So like in that instance, that's where definitely doing some free weights where you can really do really, really target those glutes, like you said, is much more appropriate. So you could complement like single leg deadies, um, some like banded sidewalks, um, you know, anything like that. Uh, step ups are a really, really good exercise for ITB syndrome and they're all more of those free weight kind of ones and those compound movements like we're talking about because the benefits of the compound movements with like your free weight movements is that they also work on what's called motor unit synchronizations um, and it's getting that that more coordination as well and that's a big part of injury prevention so say with a step Mm -hmm. up you're teaching all of your muscles and those joints to like work together properly in a movement that replicates running so you can work on the neural pathways and you can teach your leg look this is how we want to work this is what we want to do to transfer over to running and that can also be really really beneficial but yeah you're not going to get those benefits with a more isolated exercise yeah i think the uh, for for main people still like um um there might be hearing this and thinking, all right, I hear all the benefits, but <laughs> how do I need, like, all right, I'll go there. I'll get yeah. the bit into the membership. Yeah. Um, how do I get started? Would you do a, would you, are you a fan of warming up? Yes. Yes. Warm definitely. up. Definitely warm right. up. I think the first thing when you get started, you go, okay 
Caden Thomas sold me, I'm going to go join a gym tomorrow. I'm going to hit the gym, right? I'm going to turn into a gym junkie like Tom. But the first thing is to be aware that you may pull up a little bit sore for the first two weeks. And I think like, you, you know, if you're doing say two gym sessions a week, those first two weeks, your legs are going to be a little bit achy or wherever you've worked. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important to have that expectation because I think if you don't and you go to the gym and then the next day you're like, whoa, my legs feel dead and it's this shock. And then you try and go for a run, you're expecting to do a intervals run the next day it's probably not great and it's going to put you off strength training so first thing have realistic expectations next thing always warm up especially if you've gone real keen beans and you go Kate says that heavier lifting is better and that's where I'm going to get my performance improvements don't just go jump on the leg press straight away and pile on all the weights I generally set up sessions where I tie in injury prevention exercises um, as a warm-up in the lead-up before a heavier lift. So Mm -hmm. let's say, for example, you're going to do some heavy barbell back squats. I would say, okay, let's do some uh, popper band around your knees. Let's do some goblet squats so you can think about working those glute meads because like you were talking about, IT IT, um, band syndrome is a common injury. So if you target those glute meads, we can help prevent that injury so you can tie that in with your warm-up there do some goblet squats do some lighter weight stuff get your body used to the movement feel confident with technique use lighter weights or no weight and just go through the movements and spend a good like you know 10 minutes doing movements that are applicable before your your main set exercise so think about say your main set exercise so let's just say leg press because that's a great one to start with so you go okay on the leg press I know I'm going to work my glutes my quads and my hamstrings so yeah pick those exercises in your warm-up or your activation that work those same muscle groups so say you pick a couple Mm -hmm. of those then go over to the leg press and just do some reps on the leg press or whatever you're doing without even adding any weight like just see how it feels get your body ready for the movement do say six reps at that weight and then add a little bit more and do say another six reps at that weight then go into your main set because then you're going to actually know that you're not going to cause yourself an injury in the gym because you're adequately warmed up in in the future we'll we'll be going a bit a little bit more about like uh, uh the reps and sets for for improvement but um we can maybe as an example dive into the uh, gym routine what i'm doing yeah and you can say then afterwards where uh where is uh where there are improvements so i'll okay. be I'm, I'm going to be on your plan uh, awesome. as of uh, uh next week yeah uh, but this was the uh, the tomo shadak plan did you make so this basically uh, yeah i made it myself okay so i'm only critiquing you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 there's no one uh <laughs> No PhD or just uh, good old, (laughs) my own rocket science. (laughs) So, all right, I'll go to the gym. I'll take a little pre-workout to get uh, get the blood pumping. What's the pre-workout? Caffeine? Wada tested. It's it's, uh, basically just a lot of caffeine and uh, beta-aniline to uh, to just feel like you're fucking alive. Yeah. then as a warm-up, I would hop on the uh, just a stationary bike, do something like five to ten minutes, just uh, looking around at the gym, who else is there? Because that's also part of the gym, isn't it? Um, then uh, um, I would do with a uh, elastic band, some hip, bri- hip bridges and uh, hinge movements um, to get the... Um, uh, the hamstrings warmed up and uh, a little bit of the uh, the glutes and uh, lower back muscles. 
and then actually I'll start getting into the uh, the weightlifting. I always start out with lunches, lunches with weights. Um, I've been I've been building it up over the over the weeks. So I was always doing between eight and ten reps. Started with doing something like twelve kilos, I think, and now I'm doing it twenty kilos each side. Mm-hmm. Um, then after the uh, after the lunches, I would do something like uh, uh, deadlifts. I would do deadlifts. I found that when I've started off, I was doing heavy uh, deadlifts too heavy. Whereas I could, if I would do them too heavy, I would could feel my lower back. So I was starting doing them a little bit uh, less heavy. So I started off doing something like 50 kgs and now I'm doing something like 80 or 90 and then still like eight reps, everything free sets. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, uh, so it's that deadlifts, squats, um, then it's hamstring curl and the uh, uh, leg press. And then I would go to, over to like the upper body muscles where I would just do the lat pull down because mm-hmm. that would simulate something like the catch of your swim movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do the uh, uh, the row. It's the uh, the uh, uh, cable row. Yeah. Um, and I would I would do the uh, tricep pull down. Okay. Can I? Uh... So because that would be the the push phase of the swim. Literally, them free. I would say everyone goodbye and. Uh, I would hop on home. That's that's it. <laughs> All right. I okay. Couple of questions. First question: What's the goal of your strength training? Um, so many of the many of the workouts were uh, uh, are the main muscles that I use as a triathlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what's the what what's the goal? Well, one of the goals build testosterone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for going to the gym, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, just uh, uh, build more strength and uh, and thus uh, peak your performance. Performance, cool. And how long rest are you having in between your sets of your exercises? A um, couple of WhatsApp messages. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, no, I would that one <laughs> <laughs> so in, you mean in between reps or in between sets in between i would say sets. in between oh, uh, in between the uh, sets i don't know something like 20 seconds 30 seconds okay that's a big the people always forget about rest and that's a big one so okay my my feedback so your five minute warm-up on the bike that's what we call a general warm-up so you've got mm-hmm. general or specific warm-ups and a general warm-up is like hopping on a bike or you know going for a little jog and that helps increase your heart rate a little bit release a little bit mm-hmm. of adrenaline get your body ready for a workout so it's fine but it's not the best for lifting so you could scrap that um and actually replace it with another exercise um that more replicates what you're about to get ready for your hip um bridges with the band around sounds good i would take out your five minute um bike and add in um, something a little bit more like even just a body weight or a weighted step up Uh, that would be a lot more applicable Mm -hmm. for triathlon and then with your main set exercises with your deadlifts, it was interesting because you were saying, you know, you felt them in your back, so you decreased yep. the weight. 
I generally say because we know that you relatively need to go heavy for your strength training for performance improvements and because you have a gym background, what you would have been better doing was keeping your weight heavy so it felt hard and shortening your range. So you either could have popped the barbell or your weights like up on other weight plates to shorten the range or made it a rack pull. So where you can put the safety racks out, you can shorten the range. So if your back ever gets sore again doing deadlifts, I would say to shorten the range but keep the weight heavy because you want to keep the load heavy um, as long as they're mm-hmm. pain-free for you. The lunges, lunges are a really good exercise, but if you've been in the gym for a little while and considering your goals are performance, I would suggest that you replace them with a barbell split squat because eventually when you're holding on to those dumbbells with your lunges, your grip strength is going to give out before your lower limb strength. And the point of lunges is a lower limb exercise. So go barbell and then you can go heavier with them as well. And the split squat is bringing your body weight back so you can get a little bit more hamstring and adductor work rather than specifically mm-hmm. just quad work. Um, then before we go into your upper body ones, I think that for your sets and reps and your load for what you're doing um, for your lower body stuff, you need more rest. So if you want to go heavier and get that testosterone going, get those maximal strength improvements and your overall performance improvements, ideally two and a half to three minutes rest. So like long WhatsApp messages or like replying to multiple, right? Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, that's... this is the main thing where endurance athletes go wrong is they get their rest wrong. It's like we put in so much time and effort thinking about exercise selection and load and all of these things. And then because we're just typical like OCD triathletes, we're like, I'm bored, quick, let's go back and do another set, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you can't lift heavy and really now technique, especially if you're under fatigued load. So say if you were in the peak of training, to have a heavy enough load to make performance improvements when you're already tired from the rest of your endurance training, you really need two and a half to three minutes rest so you can nail technique and you can nail load Um, and if you don't have that rest you're not going to be able to do those two things and you're going to be more sore the next day so that would be my biggest critique of this program would be more Mm -hmm. rest in between sets and I like your upper body exercises. I think um, specifically for swimming, they're really, really good. Lap pull downs are an amazing exercise for swim, bike and run. Um, they're mm-hmm. great because you could just go heavy AF. You could just load it up. And the worst thing that happens if you can't pull it down is you literally just pull yourself up, right? So like you really yeah, can't yeah. yourself doing them. But like you said, they replicate the pool of swimming. But not only that, our lats create this nice posterior sling on the back of us and where they insert is this thing called a thoracolumbar fascia. So it's like a big fascia, like a non-pliable part of your back that helps stabilize your lower back and your glutes actually originate from there. So Mm -hmm. by strengthening your lats, you actually can help prevent low back pain and you can help actually improve glute power as well. So I think that any triathlete should always include either a pull-up or a lat pull-down and go really, really heavy. Um, And then, yeah, tricep extensions, great for swimming and they make your triceps look great. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, your exercises are good. So if you're uh, if you're a big gun in the gym as a triathlete, would you say um, the pull up over a lat pull down because yeah. it's basically the same muscle it's, muscle it group? Is. But I you get so much more core but, when you do a pull up. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and so if you you would say if you're really confident, you should do the pull up. Go pull up. Yeah. Come on, Tom, step it up. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
Yeah. No, I can, pull I can up, do it. pull down do to it. you, pull up only. And you can get a band, like if you want to make them slightly easier. <laughs> what um as uh, um as as triathletes, we mainly use the core muscles in literally uh running swimming well especially the swim and and on the bike as well maybe you don't really sense it but in the time, time trial position you were uh, use a lot of the uh, core muscles mm-hmm. would you say um there should be a block in there of doing uh, solely core exercise as well or would you say uh, with doing deadlifts lat pull down and all that you also engage your core so it wouldn't be necessary to spend extra time on doing core workouts Yeah, I would definitely say the latter of what you said. Absolutely. So there's a couple of reasons for this. First one, like we touched on, time restraints is the biggest issue for triathletes completing strength training. So don't add extra exercises you don't need to do, like a sit-up or a crunch or whatever or a plank because we don't need them. And you nailed it when you said, you know, with your deadlifts and your squats, et cetera, you get the core activation in there. And there was a good study that came out in 2018 and they actually put EMG markers on the core muscles. And even though that's not particularly even just the best way of measuring muscle activity it's still really helpful and what they found was when they compared a back squat and a plank the back squat actually had greater activation of erector spinae so the back muscles and the same activation of the rest of the core muscles as a plank did so we know that back squats have been shown in the research to improve running and cycling economy so just do heavier back squats and you'll get that core activation there or tie it in you know with like a single leg deadlift and you're going to get a lot of core in there so uh, or like the pull-up like we were talking about you do those I can guarantee you you'll be feeling your abs working by the end of it I always say to people just tie your core exercises in with everything and there's actually even a little bit of research now that shows if you do isolated core exercises you can increase your chance of getting back pain um so it's like it sounds counterintuitive but it's definitely needed and also it's of course a myth that um doing a lot of six-pack exercises are going to give you a six-pack because in the end that's got to do with uh (laughs) low body fat people go i do all these crunches and i'm like yeah but you eat yeah. a lot like yeah. but you got a six you pack go to McDonald's. a little bit covered <laughs> <laughs> yeah you spend too much time at Macca's like I've got a six pack but you can't really see it right because I also love food like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the wines the wines in australia are pretty good oh yeah and gin what um <laughs> are there any other uh myths that you'd say uh you want to bust um, the, the, it was the main one. I'm glad you touched on um, your the body weight one because that's a big one. And I know that we're going to chat a bit more in future ones about like the sets and reps. But one of the other big myths is this: like you have to do um, high rep work. And again, that comes from like, oh well, I'm an endurance athlete, so I should do 20 reps, yeah. crack a sweat in the gym. But it's completely not the case, and that's a huge, huge myth that will not improve your performance. Doing circuit training and that kind of thing. Thing is not how you get faster from the gym for endurance training yeah I, I i know a lot of triathletes that do it for example mm. um they're standing there with two five kg uh, dumbbells and doing something like 15 reps or 20 reps mm. and i'm thinking if you want to have five kgs just buy a bottle of milk and walk home <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, why why wouldn't that be uh beneficial just to go in it a little bit and yeah. the circuit training you were saying circuit training doesn't help so that's more of the high intensity probably high intensity training that you're uh 
Yeah, like, yeah, circuit training would be like if you set up, say, five different stations of, say, like med ball slams, um, like push ups or whatever, and you kind of like rotate through, say, every 30 seconds. That's like um, circuit mm-hmm. training and it's really high intensity. But for that, you're getting similar adaptations as your endurance training. So, so like going for a run, right? You're working on more heart rate. If you go really, really high intensity, sure, you might produce a little bit mm-hmm. of lactate. So, you're working on those things. But your strength training and how you improve it is like, we sort of said at the start, it's that muscular power, it's improvements in maximal strength, improvements in rate of force development, muscular tenderness, stiffness. And to get those improvements, you have to go at a heavier weight and lower reps because our body needs a particular mechanical stimulus before it adapts. If you're going too light, you are not putting enough mechanical stimulus into your muscles and into you, particularly your tendons, for your body to actually adapt. Tendons, as even research showing that sometimes you need greater than 90% of your maximum weight for your tendon to actually adapt. And if you're thinking about, you know, some med ball slams or like 20 reps of a body weight squat, your body, like that you need, the adaptations you need to see perform substantial performance improvements, it's not going to happen. And all that you're doing and doing that is just making yourself really sore and tired. So it's like you're not mm-hmm. only getting the not getting that performance improvements, but you're running yourself in the ground without performance improvements. And then you just become really frustrated. And then you're like, oh, I'm killing myself in the gym and I'm not and, getting any better. <laughs> and and also no one really thinks um, someone is a big dog in the gym when you're standing there with baby weights. But um, of course, there is a contradiction when you're going to the gym right now after listening to this podcast and you're thinking, all right, I'll start off and I'll get the 50 kg dumbbells. Um, I found that when I started off doing gym training after a long, long time, of course, you, you first have the anatomical adaptation phase, right? So your body gets used to the strength training. So I wouldn't start off with going too too heavy no um to get used to it but then after the uh, uh like doing two weeks of that when you're a little bit used to it then uh like ramp up the weights but yeah like you said we're going into that in uh, in, in future episodes mm-hmm. so yeah the the baby weights and 20 reps and uh, uh 30 reps whatever yeah it's more it's more like really endurance training what we already do as, as triathletes yeah um because then we'll, we'll talk about as well, like swimming with paddles, which is also yeah. strength training. How would compare yeah. that? But uh, we'll go into that later on. That's my other um, thing that I get frustrated yeah. at. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is there anything else you want to touch on the introduction of, of uh, um, strength training for triathletes? No, yeah, or, I just uh, think it, you know, you should really get the, the the credit it deserves. And if anyone out there, like if we were saying, you know, it has consistent niggles or wants to take performance mm-hmm. to the next level, like that's where your strength training really comes from. And it just, it doesn't have to be complex. And we can go through a couple of case studies and examples. And like I loved going through yours and sort of <laughs> giving that feedback on it. Um, but strength training for endurance athletes can be really, really simple and really, really time effective. It's, I always say to people, it's a means to an end. Like it doesn't have to be, I mean, you and I, I think Tom are like in the minority where we just love going to the gym. Like I could spend all day in the gym. <laughs> but if you're yeah. listening and you go, I hate the gym. There's a reason I do triathlon because I love going outside. I hate the gym. So like, the good news is you can do really simple stuff. Like you can just go in, nail your exercises and get out. Like I would say even, Tom, your program is quite big. Like you could do half that amount and still get really good improvements. So we can chat a lot in future about how simple it can yeah. be as well. 
All right, yeah, and also um, you you start to love the gym. Maybe at first you don't like it, but you'll you'll start to love it. Also, uh, to get a little bit, you'll get a little bit more of the uh, physique through it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to let know a little bit more about Kate or about uh, about a program or whatever, you can head over to uh, endurance movement is it dot com endurance movement dot com. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, for now, uh, uh, thanks, Kate. And then uh, uh, next time we'll talk about the uh, the build up uh, of strength training, probably in something like three weeks. Um, thanks for listening, listening, everyone. Uh, let us know what you uh, think, and especially what you want to know about strength training. Because in the end, maybe we can do a little recap episode with uh, questions that people like in the gym have no flipping clue what they're doing after uh, four episodes. So we can uh, touch on that a little bit. Um, yeah, thanks, Kate, Tom. and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye.